Hi everyone, once again you're very welcome to the Plainly Queer podcast. In this episode we are going to be discussing growing up queer in Ireland or growing up queer anywhere in the world. We're going to be discussing queer pop culture in the 90s and noughties and its positive and negative influences. Do you know I really hate the noughties? I cannot stand that term. I don't know why. You don't like the noughties? No. Why do we have to call it the noughties? Well, I was very naughty in the noughties, so I think it's very apt that it's called (laughs) noughties. Maybe that's why I don't like it, because I wasn't as naughty enough. It's like the summer of love or whatever that was in the 1960s. That's what the noughties were. That's what it was for you. Yeah. I missed out. (laughs) There's still time, Yoda. Thanks, thanks. I'll come back to it. So, and yes, we talk about coming out in Ireland, or as we like to call it now, letting in. There's no more coming out in Ireland. It's coming, letting people into our lives. We also go on to see how society has progressed and more recently maybe started to regress over the queer generations. We ask the question, is it better now for young people? And we're not sure. So you can decide. Let us know what you think. Because we have no perspective of young people. We're not young Because we're old. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> yeah. We're of a different generation. But we discuss it anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Before the episode as well, we had a, a request from a listening for, from our first episode, which was around language and the evolution of language and in particular pronouns. So we got a question from Angie and Frankie. So we want to thank them for their kind of follow-up and they're listening to the podcast and taking the time and they would just like some more clarification on pronouns and as we know pronouns is kind of such a thing that's out there at the moment a lot of people are maybe afraid to kind of interact or engage in conversation around it because they're not familiar with it or they're kind of there's a fear surrounding it so I suppose just to break shit down what the fuck is a pronoun so what the pro- fuck is a pronoun? What the fuck is a pronoun? Uh, a pro- oh my God, where? Why? <laughs> I don't know why all that profanity just leaked in there, but it did. Well, oh. listen, it's where we're at. Keep going. Do you know why I think? It's because of the anger I think I'm holding on to at the moment around the whole rhetoric and the whole anti-trans mm. and anti-non-binary rhetoric at the moment. I think that's where it's, it's hard at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think unconsciously. Let it out. Let it out. A pronoun is a word that refers to either the people talking, like I or you, or someone or something that is being talked about, like Mm -hmm. she, it, them, and this. Now, gender pronouns, like he and hers and theirs, specifically refer to people you're talking about. So, gender pronouns, the whole concept of gender pronouns, they specifically refer to people you are talking about. So, what are some commonly used pronouns, gender pronouns? Obviously, there's she, her, hers, he, him, his. And then, like, of course, female or feminine pronouns would be she, her, she, her. I identify as she, her. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's more masculine ones, the masculine pronouns, which are obviously he, him, and his. But... Many avoid these labels because, for example, not everyone use not everyone who uses he feels like a male or masculine. Mm-hmm. Like with myself, like sometimes I don't really identify with what it is to be masculine nowadays, especially toxic mm-hmm. masculinity. Yeah, I, I hate that whole toxic masculinity thing. But uh, your pronouns then? He they. 
Oh. The they is the so it basically means if you have someone that's she they or he they or for myself this is my take on it for me I don't mind being referred to as either like you know yeah. I'm I'm okay being referred to as he and I'm okay being referred to as they if you are talking about me okay yes. and that's the whole way to look at this it's how someone is talking about you and I am yeah. okay with he or they and the reason why is like that what it is to be a man sometimes I don't relate to it. I don't yeah. relate to what it is, that masculine kind of stuff, that toxic masculinity. So that that's where it came in for me, but I don't communicate it very well. But anyway, there it is. Um, I thought it was lovely communication. I totally understand that, but then maybe I was being a queer. Thanks for the <laughs> validation. Of course, there are lots of gender neutral pronouns in use. And the main ones then, they, them, theirs. So they mm-hmm. would be the main kind of gender neutral pronouns. They, them, theirs. and they are not just singular. No, they mm-hmm. can be used as singular. They're not just plural. This is what I get for going by a script. I'll mix my words up. But yeah, so not just plural it is also can be used in the singular. And it does take time. Like it, you can, it can be done very naturally, yep. but it just takes time. It's retraining the brain, retraining yep. the brain. And never, ever refer to a person as it or he, she. Yes, because please. you know these are offensive slurs against trans gender queer non-binary and gender fluid fluid individuals slurring my words a lot this evening i haven't even you had drunk? a drink no really? i wish I mean, you're recording <laughs> quite late so like, i wouldn't you know we can forgive you for that it's okay. um no that is that i think that's a really good ex- explanation and yes like you said it is hard to get used to because we you know we just use he she they you know we don't use they unless we're talking about you know a group of people specific part of yeah or yeah more than one person yeah and it weirds people out like that yeah like but we do use it and it's just when it's this specific and I think a lot of people get caught going I don't want to offend I don't want to say the wrong thing and get too much in their head if you are referring to somebody and they are they them and you go he and in a conversation, just going, oh, sorry, they. And let's move on. You know, we know that it's going to happen. Listen, people, language is a social construct. It's just <laughs> it's just words, you know. We tell them. It's how you use the words. And it's being mindful to try and be respectful and validating of others with the words you use. So that's the whole point of this. So, yeah, that's that. And this is the episode about growing up queer in Ireland Ireland, or growing up queer wherever you grew up so hopefully you relate hopefully you like it and like that any comments questions anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes do link in with us on Instagram we are plainly underscore queer and yeah we have our podcast on all the main platforms jazz hands (laughs) enjoy folks So, yeah, you were just saying there, so a significant event was the Michael Barrymore. Yes. Should we give context to this whole thing? Yeah. Or are you going to do that in the end? That probably would help. That would help people to know that we are talking about right now growing up queer in Ireland. And we started having a pre-conversation before we pressed record. And that was, you know, what were the significant events and Mm. pop culture, but also historical events in Ireland? And before we knew it, we were having the conversation. I said, I think we better press record. So here we are pressing record and you were about to talk about. 
I, I was about to talk about, I should probably frame it. I was talking about yeah, kind of, as a child, you know, what kind of stood out for me in relation to in the media and how, because I, I didn't get any sex education. I, no. I got a little bit in <laughs> biology class, but I went to, I went to a kind of school that was an all boys school that was run by priests. So oh, our, our sex education was very limited and heteronormative and closed off. But everything I learned, I had to learn through a negative context, as in it was being talked about mm-hmm. negatively by my peers. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go and explore it myself. But I suppose when it started to come into kind of pop culture or, you know, media, TV shows, one thing for me I remember mentioning was like Dawson's Creek was one of the first ones. Mm. They had a gay character, Jack. And then, of course, Will and Grace. And, you know, it just started to creep in slowly. And then the big one, of course, was uh, Queer as Folk UK. And yeah. they all came out around the same time, funnily enough, 1998, 1999. But I think that's hilarious. Yeah. I can't believe they all came out at the same time. It feels like, well, it feels like, you know, there were separate so separate in what they were showing if you want to say and mm. very much within their own genre but um, to, to have it come out at the same year was like huge when you think about it yeah it was like a watershed moment there must have been something there was obviously something building and i i suppose if we were to bring it back to ireland in the fact that only in 1993 was it actually decriminalized homosexuality i know yeah. it, was, it was kind of socially accepted in in kind of certain kind of metropolitan centers i would guess are safe zones yeah but uh, yeah i think the thing that i was leading into in relation to the pop culture thing my youngest memory of it was the michael barrymore and i know he had been married and i believe he had children and there was stuff in the tabloids about him going to a gay bar in london and then i believe a couple of months later at the brit was it the brit awards what are the tele? Oh, the National Television Awards yeah. or something like that over in the UK. Yeah. But I remember we, yeah, yeah, we were watching it in our kitchen, and my mother was there, and I was only about thirteen, I think, thirteen or fourteen, and he was making this impassioned speech, and I remember my mother was crying, and but the subject matter was making me really uncomfortable. I I can't remember exactly mm. what he was saying, but I knew what he was doing. He was like, he was coming out and he was like, I am gay on national television. I remember my mother got emotional and I brushed it off and I tried to play it down. And I was like, what's all that child about? And then she scorned me. She actually said, like, have some respect or don't be like that. And I suppose looking back, that would have been the ideal opportunity to nurture the fact that I was different and say, hey, I'm different too. But of course, it's a gradual thing for everyone to get their own form of self-acceptance to be able to do the coming out eventually. But just little moments like that, I remember, you know. Yeah. Did you know at that age, did you know when you were watching the speech that that is, you know, I recognize that? I knew I was different, but all these, especially with Michael Barrymore, it's associated with with the negative things because he cheated mm. like he was kind of he married and he had kids so it was seen that it, it was wrong what he, he had done how dare he all this sort of stuff so it was always kind of framed in a negative way and I, I suppose there was no there was no real positive role models if you will as in like yeah. that had 
a positive outlook or had that like the possibility of a happy ending maybe i don't know or, or yeah, it was never portrayed as you know the family or you know getting married or having kids mm. or a successful career you know and i and i think i have the stat here as well that even in ireland it was only in 1998 that uh, the employment equality act was introduced and that was based on prohibiting discrimination on sexual orientation in the workplace like that's only two minutes ago so I even remember when I came out, the sadness was, oh, you're not going to get married. You're not going to have kids. You know, we're never going to see you have a wedding. Like there was a genuine grief. And I was like, that's what, that was genuinely what was thought. You know, you'll have a harder life. It won't be as easy for, you know, being straight is way easier. And you can totally understand, I suppose, you know, say parents or caregivers thinking around that as in it is never easy to be different you know Mm. it's life is more difficult when you are different from the majority when you are a minority being a minority it's it's difficult and you know I, I, I suppose I remember when I was younger, and I, you asked me the question earlier, you know, when did you have a sense at that time when I was mm. about 13? I had a sense that I was different. I was very, I was very sensitive and I was, you know, very much internal in my head. Of course, you're trying to keep it all inside. You're trying to like keep that mask up and, you know, sh- save face. But I remember doing stupid things like rolling a dice and saying, okay, if the dice lands on a certain number, I like boys and if the dice lands mm-hmm. on a number, another number I, la- I lo- like girls Now this would have been very kind of early teens you know yeah. just kind of grappling with hormones and what was going on and trying to yeah. understand it. Uh, it did you ever feel like you wanted to not like boys oh yeah because it was it was just so negative you know as in yeah. I if I don't like boys, they won't call me queer or they won't call me a faggot or they won't do this, you know? So I just have to prove them wrong. I remember having a girlfriend for a little bit, a little girlfriend, and (laughs) I'd go to her house a couple of times and her older brother would be there and I just fancy her brother. (laughs) I would would just kind (laughs) of want to spend more time with her brother uh, but being there as her boyfriend. But that that didn't last too long, but it was very superficial. Nothing happened. I think there was the old peck on the cheek and we were we were 15 yeah. or 16. But it was, yeah, it, it was very much, a, oh, I was all over the place. I went to a, I went to the church one Sunday, a real time of crisis. And I literally yeah. sat in the church for three hours while masses were going on in the main kind of concourse, should we say. I was over in the side yeah. vestibule. I just prayed for three hours. Just prayed and just looking for some sort of guidance or epiphany just trying to figure stuff out and Mm -hmm. you know I look back on that and I'm like my god like that must affect someone's mind so much as a child to affect the isolation exactly that sense of isolation the the sense of isolation in that the the world around you saying this thing that you feel is a negative it's a bad it's a you're a bad person or you know all of these things that are going to be thrown at you if i do stand up and say i am gay mm. now it's not as bad for me as a gay woman but it's worse for a gay man 
you know, we're kind of, you know, oh, really? You know, especially on a male side, that like the amount of times I've had, uh, not good friends now, but like males in my life go, oh, that's just the challenge. You know, I'll turn you. You know, it was it was something to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Whereas for, I think, you know, especially boys, it's like, yeah, you become the target. Uh, the isolation with that, again, the, the felt sense of there's something bad within me, not having that somebody to talk to, nobody talking about it. Horrible. As you're talking there, just kind of speaking to that, how it would be different for a girl as or as opposed to a boy. Do mm. was there was there a sense that for yourself that oh wasn't taken seriously? Like, you know, oh, yeah. as in like because you're a woman, do you think like if you were a gay man you would be taken not more seriously, but you know what I mean, as in like, you know, it's easier yeah. for a woman kind of thing. I don't know whether it was consciously. I remember one of my good friends, the mom saying, oh, it's just a phase. And she may still believe that today. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just it'll be grand, you know, they, they'll get over it. But in in terms of not being taken seriously, like if I said like it advances from men or whatever, if I said no, that wasn't taken seriously. If I said I'm actually gay just I'm not interested that was almost like pouring fuel on the fire like you know that was definitely a boundary they were never going to respect Mm. now if I said I had a boyfriend and there he was then it was like oh yeah that's grand so in that sense it was never taken serious and now even still now if I'm you know not that I would ever be in a situation now that somebody would do that and be as sleazy because I'm never in nightclubs or something like that for that to happen but there are still times where it's like you can see the glint happen of going, oh, you know, it's like this porno view of lesbians. Mm. Um, I'm far from anyone that can't, is not looking at the video of this. I'm far from a porno star. <laughs> looking like one. But you can see it being viewed through that lens. Do you know, it's not, as you say, it's not really taken serious. It's not as the consequences are different for i think that's very interesting isn't it is it that maybe i just think it's really interesting that two women is non-threatening but two men mm-hmm. is threatening oh yeah and that's that's really and that that's been kind of a narrative all the way through over the centuries it's been to yeah. the idea of two women together is you know that's fine as a straight man can sexualize that a straight man can get on board with that but then two men together is highly threatening and you know highly sexual and overtly sexual yeah it's it's crazy yeah no it's and it's still there to this day you Mm. know and i think uh, you know i mean we're only talking from our perspective like you know i i don't identify as non-binary or anything like that like in the queer sense of it i do open up my queerness in in that sense it's it's more broad than just being a lesbian Mm. but i think you know to go further than that is that uh, the trans woman is like the the most targeted you know, because that really goes against, and it's like, again, that heteronormative, that uh, paternalistic uh, male, you know, this is not okay by us. Mm. And something threatening, the maleness. Uh, it's, I, I wonder when we'll get over that. 
I wonder when we'll get over that because we've come so far. We understand so much about the toxic masculinity and what that causes. Uh, but I do wonder how long it'll take or what'll have to happen. It's one thing I've seen myself over the years that really I don't, I don't like, and that's the toxic masculinity. And you know, I would see it a lot in like some kind of work environments that I I do be in every now and then, and mm. just highly kind of male dominated, and just that sense of you know just lads and this laddish talk and all this sort of stuff and playing down stuff like transgendered rights or you know or kind of I I had my pronouns on a, a work email I sent and I got a reply back on what are you doing and I was kind of like you know just putting my pronouns out there but even now it's yeah it's how far like that do we I think we've still a long way to go I I think I mentioned this in our last little chat that I think we I'll be long gone by the time it becomes this you know a place where it's just not a thing I think too much has to happen yeah yeah I uh, gosh I hope it it happens sooner than that for, for those coming up because you know that's what we're talking about you know growing up in the 80s and 90s coming to terms with you know I I had that back and forth you know am I Maybe I'm not. Am I? Maybe I'm not. Yeah. And, you know, now, obviously, looking back, there were so many things, you know, and I was talking to somebody recently who knew me when I was a kid and they were like, oh, we knew. Like, we knew. Uh, I hate that, though, when someone says we knew. It's like, could you not have said it to me? Could you not have started a dialogue, a conversation? Like, my mother was like, oh, yeah, we knew. And I was like, could you not have, like, (laughs) talked to me about it? What did you want to do with that information? Were you just going to sit in it and hope I found out or would be okay with it? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I remember like I'd be watching movies with my, with my friends, my girlfriends at that time. And you know, whatever Brad Pitt would be in it or whatever Leo DiCaprio and all this sort of stuff. And they'd be all, Oh, like amazing. And you know, it's so hot and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be looking going, what? You know, you have Kate Winslet on the screen or you have uh, Julia Roberts or, you know, and I was, I always was looking at them going, how are you not seeing this? You know? <laughs> or how am I not seeing it? What am I, what am I looking at? You know, what am I missing? And it was like, when I look back on it now, it was so obvious. Like, but at the time I was like, what, I, what's, go- what's going on here? What's happening? Mm. And then as I got later into my teens and I started going out, like my friends would have been, you know, having the kisses on the night out and, you know, talking about boys and, you know, starting to date. And I was like, right, I suppose I may do that as well. You know, this is what everybody else is doing. So that's what I'm supposed to be doing. You try and I did um, that. You try and buy into that kind of whole thing. And, yeah. Well, I suppose it's it's a form of survival as well back then. You know, it yeah. was a form of get through secondary school and just get through this thing and you do that by trying to assimilate as best you can and that involves like you know ticking the boxes doing I remember being at a school dance and like that it was set up that I would go down to the back of the hall with this girl and we'd kind of have a little 
kiss and then you come back up holding hands acting like the big man yeah oh yeah you know i'm a man now <laughs> i'm a big street man but uh, god love her she was actually wearing this all-in-one black track suit so i'm pretty sure she's probably part of our queer community now as well <laughs> and we both did we both had the same motivations that night just take the attention yeah, yeah, off yeah. us let's get this done <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i think she was more aggressive yeah. than i was i was like do you know do you know that speaks to that part of like you know there was was what was being on off not offered to us but that was what was seen all the time mm-hmm. we did not see any other representation other than straight people yeah other than like obviously my peers there was no representation for me that i could go oh that actually makes more sense mm-hmm. like i think i think that's what's happening you know and i knew like there were queer things on tv like i did watch queer as folk and like it started becoming more and more obvious there and but again even just looking at the female leads whatever they were it was kind of obvious but it wasn't until like i was in college that like i i you know you know but you don't really know mm. and i had said it to a friend and i wanted to go back into the closet Like, I I remember saying, you know, I'm actually not okay with this. I don't want this life because of the negativity, because of the potential backlash that could have come from it. Now, I was lucky, Mm. but that's what I, that's what coming out was like. And when I, when I, when I say that the penny finally dropped, I was in a nightclub in Derry with my college mates and uh, one of them who was out, they were going to a nightclub, do you want to come? And I said, yeah, that could absolutely like had a great night dancing good laugh and whatever and we met people there and we were dancing and all this sort of stuff so I was dancing with somebody I was dancing with a with a woman there and I wasn't thinking anything of it I was just having a great time and we had to get back on the bus to go back to Letterkenny so we were leaving see you now look blah 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 and I was just about to get on the bus and this person followed me out and grabbed me and goes you don't think you're getting away with just leaving like that do you and I was like what what do you mean and they kissed me Mm. and that was the first you know as in that was the first full-on and I was like oh my god (laughs) that's it that's what everybody's talking about that's what my mates have been doing this whole time that I thought I was doing that's not and finally I was like I'm never going back I am (laughs) never going back and so that was that was kind of like the moment for me. I was like, oh, no, I know what this is about now. That sounds like a nice memory. Like, that's a nice first kind of encounter. Yeah. Mine was not so nice, I think. Well, not, okay. not that it wasn't so nice. But back in the day, there was no grinder, There was no Tinder. There was no any of this. I think it was like, you know, the Aircom kind of internet when it came in it was dial up so you had to wait for it to dial for 10 seconds and it would come up and it would take like 10 minutes to load a really badly pixelated picture but I remember I got talking to a guy from Roscommon on a website and we arranged to meet I think I was like I was pretty late though I think I was like 20 21 and I got two buses to see him like two and a half hours I think each way and just this i remember ricky lake was on in the background so he was, oh, he was yeah he was living in this apartment and working up there in roscommon somewhere and ricky. yeah hey, ricky. And I, just, it was just, I just remember ricky lake in the background and he he wasn't what i was expecting 
and I think I was just too nice and going through the motions of it and you know it got very like it got very full-on very fast and Mm. when you have no sex education all you have to go on is queer as folk that you'd watched like you know when your parents had gone to bed and no one else was around and you were sneaking down to watch it or I don't know did you ever watch Eurotrash on channel four oh gosh yeah (laughs) Eurotrash was another one (laughs) so this is how you'd learn all these little things but uh, yeah it was it was listen it was an experience it probably wasn't the best experience but I quickly enough got back on that bus back home yeah but again this is like you know what we're talking about is is things could be made so easier by having these conversations by Mm. having the representation by like you know, even still there are connotations and associations with being gay. You never know, even as, as, as progressive as we are in Ireland, but like we never know what's going to happen if we are in a conversation and the topic comes up and we decide to disclose it. Yeah. Not a disclosing, but any like as in, I don't mean it as, a, I don't see it as a bad thing, but there's always this thing going, what is going to be met with this? And having a young person not being able to ask and the only access they have, they have more TV shows now, they have more positive representations. You know, there's the success stories now. There's just being gay and and that's it. It's not a whole thing. I think the key that you're touching on there is information. I think there's, there's there's more information available to younger people, which is great. And it's not kind of this polluted mainstream kind of agenda it's actual information it's actual experiences it's you know it's kind of practical stuff and there's discussions and there's dialogues like positive dialogue and open discussion that you can engage in so if you do have those feelings you don't have to roll a dice so you don't have to like go to a church and pray for three hours or like you can actually you know engage with something that will kind of inform you enable you to talk it out even now you can kind of you know engage in experiences I suppose there would be other people in school maybe who feel like I I remember there was a guy I was quite close to in school but we're just friends and we went all the way through school and into adulthood and I met him in a, a gay bar once and I was like oh okay and then he was like oh okay and I was like oh, oh well, wow. like you know that would have been great to have to know but Wouldn't we were both just hiding ourselves away you know that kind of way and yeah, uh, yeah I, I always think it's really funny I went to an all boys school and got like zero action <laughs> <laughs> zero action. I, if good. I could go back in time like the possibilities would be endless uh, I'd probably yeah. make better use of the time but yeah no that was that was funny <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's just, there is, there's access to so much now. And I think as well, there's even the talk around consent, Mm. you know, talking about boundaries in terms of, you know, it's okay if you're not comfortable in the situation to say no. Like when you were younger, you didn't, well, sorry, I'll speak for myself. I wasn't sure. Is this how it should be doing? Should I be feeling this way? Should I be feeling another way? And now the conversation is about you're feeling what you're feeling. And that is absolutely fine if you want to pause, if you want to, you know, stop, but have the continual conversation, especially around sex or anything like that. It's an ongoing piece now for for the younger folks coming up. It's not just 
what's on Pornhub. Yeah, and it's not, st- I think it's I what you're talking to there, you're speaking to, in my mind, what's coming up for me. It's not about kind of sex or it's not about, you know, exploring that aspect of kind of, you know, sexuality. It's, it's about expression. I think it's the mm. finding out how to express yourself or being okay to express yourself. Sexuality will come into that, but when mm. you're old enough or you feel comfortable enough or you're ready to, you know, that kind of way, it all comes into consent. Mm. But I think definitely it's about expression and the freedom to express who you yeah. are becoming instead of having it that may have happened decades ago being stunted or being hidden Mm. or having to having to build this you know persona upon persona upon persona and like it all gets hidden into the shadow because you just can't figure it out in public because there's nowhere or there's no one to help you figure it out how do you figure it out only in relation you know only in relation with another and discuss on all levels of that Mm. yeah yeah. Oh, I have a question then. What was your was there was there a nineties crush that you had or an early noughties crush in the media? Oh gosh, there was loads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think now. Uh, who was it? Gosh, some of the the like probably Julie Roberts. Okay. You know, I you mentioned Kate Winslet before, and even I, yeah. I think Kate Winslet. Yeah, Kate, yeah, she's yeah. Such, she's just so natural, and there's just something so I don't know approachable and open yeah. about her. She's lovely, and she's only gotten better with age. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. You really know, good. actually, yeah. Um, was there anybody else? I'm sure there was, and I can't think. I have a desperate memory, so um, yeah, that's one. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer was another. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I what was about you? Say, I can't see you? it, but then again, I'm not really into it. <laughs> <so. laughs> yeah. Oh my god. What about your crushes? Oh, I. It's so funny looking back. I mean, I remember being in my friend's house when I was younger, maybe like that, thirteen, fourteen, and Peter Andre and that music video, "Mysterious oh, Girl," wow. yeah, where yeah, he's yeah. dancing below the waterfall. And I just be sitting there going like, <laughs> like I think I might be gay. <laughs> like, he, uh, I just remember that video stood out for me. And then there was Smash Hits magazine. I'd always like the boy bands oh, and stuff gosh, like that. Yeah. It's yeah. So I'd say those kind of nineties pop stars. Like yeah. But Peter Andre stands out because he had that music video where he was, but yeah. totally plastic and unachievable. And you know, you'd look at him now and go, oh. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. I I think at the time it was of its time. At the time, it was a guy with his top off. I was kind of open to it. Yeah, I was. There was nobody like Peter Andre at the time. No, I I remember I was discussing this with a friend the other day because I was talking about the topic that was going to be coming up, and yeah. it is great to reminisce though, as in you know, yeah. kind of you talk about all this. But I remember, of course, there was no pornography back then. And mm-hmm. I think when probably maybe 11, 12, that, that age, time is difficult for me back then. Like I'll know okay. experiences, but it's, it's hard with time. But I think it was it was quite young. And yeah. do, do you remember the family album? And it was like it was like a, a catalog. So you get like this catalog and there'd be like full of clothes and all this. So it would have majority yeah. women's clothes. 
and yeah. it would have some men's clothes as well but my mother would always yeah. used to get this delivered the family album would come every month and you'd order clothes right. if you wanted to like oxingdales or something like that and, yes yes uh, yes but i remember just always like going through the family album and going to the page the that had the men in the underwear <laughs> like that would be if but it's it's crazy how you know you find a way you find a way yeah. to explore what's going on in your mind to experiment with that and to kind of fantasize and everything like that so yeah, yeah. that was just something that came up for me when you're when you're just looking for i don't know looking for stimulation i guess yeah but it's also looking for that recognition you know when you when you see it you know it mm. you know and it's kind of like you know as a kid it's kind of going hold on what is that and then you go back again and it's like oh there's that thing again and again that keeps coming up and it's like okay well that that actually feels like you know if I go back to that that night in 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 Derry I was like I finally came home you know that was just that was everything made sense then and it was like well this is who I am this is not it's not all of who I am but this is a huge jigsaw piece that has been missing. So anytime you can get that recognition, it goes, oh yeah, there's a vote. Oh yeah, I know what this is. And soon you begin to, you know, as you grow older, you kind of finally get to that place where it's like, oh, I freaking know what this is now. You know? I think I don't want to speak generally. I'll speak for myself. As as I kind of went into my early 20s and exploded out of the closet, I was kind of making up for lost time a lot. And, I, you know, I, I put myself out there and I got out there and boyfriends and relationships and, you know, done the whole scene thing. And but I just I've all, I've never felt, I don't know, being kind of gay and queer. It just is. It's just who I am now. It's it's not like it's mm. a it's an aspect of me or it's just mm-hmm. I don't know it's part of me it's like it's it, it's hard to explain but I'm not conscious of it I I it's just who I am I'm not it's there. Yeah, yeah I I would always if I I'm in a relationship or who's conscious of heterosexuality well, yeah who that's is conscious true. of their heterosexuality yeah. like we're not conscious of our homosexuality mm. do you know what i mean it's only in the in the not knowing what this is part that we had to really you know be conscious and go oh there's that thing again i suppose it's but, the not yeah, hiding. why would we be yeah they're not having to kind of hide yourself away anymore it's, and then you realize that uh, there's so many other issues going on that you have to deal with <laughs> being gay or queer is the least of them it's like... yeah actually that was one of my things as well I was like oh like when I when I finally was figuring out I was like oh god I'm gonna have to come out now you know mm. properly come out and I remember saying to myself I don't need to do this right now I have more stuff going on mm. that is the least of my worries and yeah so I was I was I was later coming out but uh, yeah Jesus like it's such a small part when you think about it like well I'll talk about my experience it was a really small part when I was you know what else was going on in my life it was made a bigger thing because it might have again what's the reaction going to be how are people going to feel you know all of that and uh, it's daunting but now now that I have the benefit of hindsight I was like that was the least of your problems (laughs) But I suppose like that, it's you. You hold on to it for so long that when, yeah. because it is the, it is like you say it and you can never take it back. So yeah. I suppose my experience would have been 
I was very, I and mean, this is just who I am for myself. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I always protect myself. I always make sure that whatever the outcome of a situation is, I can't get hurt. So before mm. I came out to my family, I, I, well, my, my parents mainly, I had told my sister, mm. uh, but I, I said, it's always good to start with the sibling and then go from there. But I remember before I told my parents, I wanted to be set up. I wanted to kind of be independent. I wanted to kind of have a place of my own. Preparation. And just the fear of the rejection, you know, just to be kind of, okay, I'm going to set myself up here just in case the rejection comes. And uh, luckily it didn't come. And, mm. you know, I, I suppose there was little hints along the way. This was the, like the Michael Barrymore thing I was talking about and kind of my mother showing empathy in relation to that and understanding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, there's, I, and I'd love to think that that fear of rejection isn't there anymore. But I, 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 I you, like you said, how how far have we progressed? And hopefully, we have progressed yeah. to a place where, you know, it's it doesn't have to be that big of a deal anymore. It's not the fear. Mm. There is no fear of rejection or anything like that, or or being kicked mm. out. Or but maybe that is. I know, not that maybe. Is, I know yeah. that's still a reality yeah. for some individuals, unfortunately. Yeah. It's like that, uh, you know, it's again, like with us growing up in that, in our environments, you know, we were being told either consciously, you know, by the words that were being used in the previous podcast, we talked about, you know, queer versus faggot, one being reclaimed and the other not, and the connotations of what was being said when those words were being used. You know, there are still kids that are growing up, you know, oh, don't be like that puff. Uh, oh, they're a faggot or, you know, gay being said as a as a negative, you mm. know, oh, that's so gay. So, you know, if there's kids listening to that, they see you put that in that context and they go, but I'm in that context. Mm. Is that what you're thinking about me? What will happen when I say, you know, this is who I am? So it's it is still there. Because the the language we use, especially nowadays, it's it's even getting, you know, churned up again. But I don't know. I think it is better, but it is not solved. It is not one hundred percent. But even the fact that we are having this conversation, even the fact that we even think we can record a podcast and put our names on it and be like, we're grand, we're okay, we'll be safe. We'll I'm be not okay. putting my name on this. <laughs> I want to remain anonymous. His name is Paul. His name is Paul. His name is Paul. Yeah. Versus all these like, uh, yeah, all these word vomit reflections of the past. Um, yeah. No, but you to- we totally have the freedom to do it. And it is, yeah, it is amazing. And I think I'm at this, even to kind of think of someone listening to this or what their kind of perceptions are about it. Mm. I think I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of like, whatever let's let's all have conversations about this let's talk about this mm-hmm. let's be open to this because that, that's the only way it's going to get normalized yeah. doing rabbit ears there for anyone that can't see the yeah, video yeah. Uh, what is that word that thing is normal we just need to talk about it, it needs to become part of the narrative the everyday it is what it is and you know and it's little things i think i think it's even the way i remember and i'm sure they won't mind me sharing this there was a video sent to me 
of let's mix it up and say a friend of mine and they had their mm. their three-year-old there and they were sending a little voice a little video clip of themselves and the three-year-old to a group chat and it was kind of like oh so-and-so has got his hair cut and oh, i'm going to get his hair cut for his girlfriend and you know you're going to have a nice girlfriend when you're older and then i'm kind of like eh that's kind of putting it in his head that he should have a girlfriend <laughs> like why yeah. can't you have a boyfriend but just this is where my mind is at now it's kind of like we're still conditioning children to go a certain path when just keep yeah. it open keep the options open yeah but it is it's it's just it's like we talked about last week it's the conditioning and it's just being aware of what we're saying to these impressionable young minds yeah and it needs to become so a part of the conversation that it's not even you know relevant in mm. terms of it's just there it's just how we talk it's not something that needs to be pulled up like even at the start of this conversation I was saying he and she he and she and I was like well actually you know that's not even relevant and I don't mean it as in you know uh, if that's how you identify absolutely but it's very it's excluding a whole bunch of people Mm. you know I was talking about like I suppose yours and mine experiences here but the fact that this is getting to the point where I'm thinking about it going soon, this won't be a part of my conversation. Soon, this won't be part of my thought. It'll just be naturally in my speech. It'll be naturally in how it is. Mm. Um, I can't wait for that day. I cannot wait for that day um, where it's just it's just a non-thing. It just is what it is. The same way heterosexuality is just there. There is no thinking about it. It is just what exists little do they know it exists on a spectrum of sexuality yeah exactly there's another podcast are you have the spectrum of sexuality god no yeah uh, speak to what i know be the, i'll have to do lots of research on that no of course yeah yeah the spectrum of sexuality i think i'm quite I, I think, you know, we're talking here and we're of a certain age that we won't disclose, but obviously we are from <laughs> a similar generation who grew up in kind of similar situations. And there are generations mm. that have come after us who obviously will have a different yeah. perspective and may have a more positive experience or may reinforce that, listen, it's still a little bit difficult, but it's a little bit better. Yeah. But I suppose, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Could you sense where I was going with that? Not really, but I'll tell you what was coming up on my mind as you were talking. Go for it. And that was, you know, I at the moment I'm learning so much from the kids that are coming up after us. Mm. You know, they are really, you know, streets ahead of where I was. Their understanding, their access even to in, the information is allowing them explode into exactly all of the spaces of who they are being able to experiment. Not everybody, I know it's not perfect, but there's a lot more conversations around, this is what I'm feeling and I'm wondering. There's not more language around, ah, this is what's going on for me at the moment, you know, with all of the, uh, just the availability of the labels, even though I'm not a fan of labels, but sometimes it's good to know, this is what's happening for me. This is why I'm feeling this way. And being able to explore, being able to experiment in different ways and then go, well, actually, I feel different now in a year's time. And then being able to change is not as static Mm. anymore. You know, it has to be, it's not one way or the other. It can be, again, the spectrum of this experience. It's it's kind of all up for grabs now at the moment. And I think Mm. that's great. I do hear what you're saying, but even as you're saying, it it sounds like a perfect world. And I... Oh, it's not. The word... 
the word that just came up as you were kind of talking I was like that's lovely but I just think it's still so restrictive Uh, and Mm. I'm probably speaking from my own experience in relation to okay I'm gay that's the path I took and that's why kind of queer speaks a bit more to me it's there's a lot more possibility Mm. in that but even yeah it's we all like the like the roles we play and the masks we wear and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff and but I do I do appreciate what you're saying in relation to kind of hopefully younger people have a less restrictive kind of environment to to embrace themselves and their authentic selves at that let's put mm-hmm. that out there probably comment yeah <laughs> if you're under the age yeah. of 35 <laughs> comment in how is it for you guys yeah, yeah. how was it what's, uh, it what's it like there folks yeah, yeah tell like us. a guest speaker um, uh, or they'd probably just go <laughs> just you, you two are ridiculous you two need therapy <laughs> we are ridiculous we're embracing our ridiculousness exactly. this is the point of having these conversations of going oh okay podcast didn't know that was there podcasts are basically forms of therapy for people anyway so you might as well just embrace yeah. it <gasps> yeah as two therapists, we recommend it. <laughs> Most definitely. Let's all go to therapy. Actually, I suppose stemming from that, yeah. growing up queer in Ireland, do you think that has that path to being a, a therapist and the work you do now? Do you think it kind of pushed you more in that direction? Like, do you think, yeah. yeah. Uh, not like that wasn't uh, it is part of it it's not the whole picture of it mm. it's definitely why I work in this area with the um, queer folks but it's not the reason I became a therapist mm. it's part of the reason you know as a as a young person who was struggling and not knowing what was going on not having anybody to talk to I, I probably did have people to talk to, but they didn't understand it. Mm. So the fact that now I can have conversations and uh, offer that space for it to be a conversation, for it to be, you know, understood and held and with empathy and compassion and genuine love, you know, because uh, I think I, I, I that is why I work in this area. Mm. You know, it's not all about that, but it's definitely part of the picture of why I I. I am continuing and will continue to train in this area as in for queer folks. Yeah. What about you? I think, I think I came into this line of, you know, I call it a calling because it kind of, it really is. It's a, it's a vocation more than anything else. And for me, it's a sense of purpose. It's a real sense of purpose and it can be so difficult at times. And my God, you really do, you like you have to look inwards especially during the training which I'm kind of at the end of now but you look in and you see everything you know we usually we're looking outwards but you're forced to look inwards and I suppose for me that really reframed it I came in going I'm going to help you know all the other queer individuals who are struggling in the world and that's a great reason to go in but you need to really that changed that the focus really changed from just what what is that for you like do you need saving are you trying to save others because no one was there to help you let's deal with all your stuff around that and then let's go into the work and I found when I went into the work all that melted away because my clients as it turned out 
you know, there was quite, there was an array of variety and sexuality didn't even come into it half the time. You know, of course, aspects are focused on sexuality, but it was more about the actual problems of living in life currently, Mm. uh, you know, in the society we're in, anxiety, depression. It was those common mental health issues that we all share you know, and that we can yeah. all understand. <laughs> Isn't that mad? A mutual common ground is mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, yeah, it is so true, though. And yeah, I, I look back on it now and I, I started to become a therapist to save myself. Mm. You know, I wanted to learn what was going on for me and, and that inward piece of going, hold on, something, something's not right here. Something I don't understand something here. And that's why I did it. You know, there's there's so many parts to that jigsaw for me. But yeah, definitely it was the looking inwards. But also as well, yeah, you think you know what therapy is going to be as a therapist, but you get into it and it's like, actually, no, you know, it is the day to day. It mm. is the, the stuff that happened in childhood that keeps, you know, the pattern going. And uh, from from working in, you know, with queer matters, it was like, yeah, I had an idea of how that would go. But of course it didn't. Mm. You know, none of that is never, you know, the thing you think is happening. It's like, actually, my day to day life is actually really hard. And, you know, like everybody else, the emotions are the same. The problems are the same. And there's only small aspects that are actually got to do with queerness. Yeah, big, because like I kind of highlighted earlier in relation to well, my coming out, it, it happened, but then life starts and there's other things yeah. that trump it and it becomes less of a thing. It just becomes, that's a part of yourself that you've accepted and you've kind of yeah. processed, maybe not in the healthiest way as a child hiding it inside yourself, but it's you've put it out there, you've made that brave step and then all this other stuff kind of starts to come up. And that's probably the long-term effects of what happened mm-hmm. earlier, obviously. But I think it becomes less about, you know, the, the kind of sexuality thing and more just about living life authentically, uh, you know, being the kind of, being the best version of yourself. I don't think I framed mm-hmm. that properly, though. I think that sounds quite unachievable. But anyway. Being the best version of yourself is unachievable. No, I think it sounds quite, I don't know, quite podcasty. (laughs) (laughs) You know, quite like when someone says, be the best version of yourself. And then someone's like, shut up. (laughs) You know how difficult that is. Um, Yeah. But no, of course. There's a lot of debris to kind of work through there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I get your sentiment, though. But yeah, there is somebody listening going, oh, feck off. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. I think that's I think that's another podcast in itself, as in, you know, Mm. queer mental health, what we think it is versus what it actually is, you know, and, you know, even touching on what we were talking about today growing up with stigma, growing up with, you know, if you're of a certain age as well, you know, if there's, you know, 80s and 90s, there was a lot happening in terms of progression for queer rights. And then if if you go into the last 10, 15 years in Ireland, that's just changed dramatically. So I wonder, I wonder, yeah, let's talk about what, how, how it has affected um, mental health, maybe even. I think that's a, that's a very professionally done segue into the the yeah. next topic that'll be discussed because I think it is really relevant you know it's okay we've talked about what it was like for people of a certain age to, <laughs> to go through that process and hopefully it's a bit easier but what are kind of maybe 
this because the fact the fact is and there's research around it that you know queer individuals do suffer more adversity from mental health conditions than their kind of heteronormative counterparts so i mean it would be a really good discussion i think something to bring in as well is very much the biopsychosocial part of it as well and just mm-hmm. it's not just the individual but the environment and it's yeah. very much sometimes your environment that can be triggering and can be negative and you know you can be the best you want to be there's me again but your environment <laughs> may really hinder that so I think that's really important as well yeah. and yeah being able to know that that it's not you mm. you know they're actually it, it, the environmental factors are really going to contribute to how you're feeling about yourself Sounds um, like, like not internalizing that. You know, when you end a relationship and it tries like, oh, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> Sorry, that's just what came up for me there. Very good. Well, listen, okay, everybody, you're going to have to listen to the next podcast for us to uh, to hear us talking about that. Uh, do you have anything else to say on growing up queer in Ireland? Just that we made it. Go us. Yay! Yes, we did. <laughs> we survived. Yeah. Do we get our T-shirts? We survived. <laughs> Oh, let's do, yeah. We'll, we'll, have merch. Merch. we'll have to do merch. We'll have to do merch now. <laughs> Living our best lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're really going to just be turning off in their droves now. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, okay. That is our well, our conversation around growing up queer and what it was like. And uh, if you want to share, like, comment, please do. And uh, yeah, our next conversation about will be about queer mental health. And we'll be a bit more professional and focused. Sorry, I will really? be a bit more professional and focused. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. And not talk about Peter Andre dancing beneath the waterfall. <laughs> That's perfect. I thought that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay, folks, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Coda. Thanks, everyone. All right. Bye.